What's up, faithful listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, we are joined by Mr. Alex Lindenmuth. And guys, this is a great episode going over his last year's kill and some traditional archery talk. We also sit down to discuss how to come back from a wounded animal and woodsmanship. Guys, in the episode, there's a little nuances that I want you to pick up on, and it's just how quick Alex just kind of talks over little detailed things of his past hunt. And that's just uh, a testament to his woodsmanship, really. And if you can pick up on that kind of stuff, that's how you guys are going to become better deer hunters. Uh, It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed his time. And, you know, that, that what we talk about in the wounded deer is something that it's not talked about and it's kind of uh, demonized within the community of the bow hunting and I just want to say that it happens and uh, if it does happen to you reach out and talk to some other people because it has happened to others and sometimes it can be hard to jump back into the saddle or the stand if you will and and get the job done so Alex thank you so much for your time I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one traditional archery Uh, I really like going down this road here so let's get to it Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Keystone Chronicles podcast. With us this week, we are joined by a traditional archer, a guy that likes to do hard shit, Mr. Alex Lindenmouth. Is that right, brother? Yep, you're close enough. (laughs) (laughs) So we were chopping it up before we come on, and um, I've been chasing chasing you here for, for for a little while, a couple weeks, and I'm super excited to have you on. And the first thing I want to do, man, is have you introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and maybe what you do for a living, and where you're yep. from. Sounds good, yeah. Um, my name's Alex Lundemuth, as Marcus said. I'm from Brockway, PA, born and raised here. I live just out of town a little bit, so grew up hunting some swamps and started dabbling in public land not long ago. But I uh, work for a landscape company here in town, and I cut grass five days a week, so it works out pretty well because by the time October, November rolls around, the grass is slowing down, and I can spend some time in the stand. I love it, man. I love it. Um, up that way, yeah, brother, That there's vast woods up there. Um, so let's jump right into what kind of hunter are you? And when uh, I, let, me, let, me, let, me, uh, let me get a little detailed on that. So not just what kind of hunter are you, but what kind of terrain do you prefer as a hunter? So I'm big into hunting the swamps. So... Where I grew up at, I, there's a we have a family farm here and uh, just out of town, like I said, and it's an old, it's just a big swamp and there's an old r- railroad grade there, and then it's my great uncle's farm actually, and there's there's quite a few of us on it between the family, but that's where I grew up hunting when I was young, so the swamps have kind of transitioned. I'm about 20 minutes from the Allegheny National Forest, so when I hit nice. the Allegheny National Forest, I mean, that's just thousands of acres clean up to the New York border into the New York border. I know man is so nice up there it really is um oh yeah i love it i've been up that way a couple times i know a couple people from up that way we actually have some some guests that are slated for later in the year from that area to to come on the show also and i'm sure you'll know them but um i I want to talk all about you man and and i want to talk about the 2022 season and let's let's get whitetail crazy man i got a switch that i flip in my head and i'm telling you i might lose my voice because I'm, <laughs> I get all fired up and excited for these deer, man. I'm, I'm whitetail crazy, and I, even some of my friends are like, listen, everything else that you hunt, like, I know that 
you say you just enjoy them that much, and we think you're just whitetail snobby. That's what they say. So yeah, I'm, um, I'm whitetail crazy three six five. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. I, I I love trout fishing, and I consider myself a trout bum, and I like I like killing and, and eating other stuff too. But I just there's just something about the whitetail deer. So let's jump right into it, brother. 2022 season, Buck. Uh, give us the lowdown. Yeah. So uh, there's a lease. There, there was this property my dad hunted years ago. It was owned by Seneca Resources. Well, there was this guy from, he's actually State College area. His name is Paul Silvis, and he came up here and bought this tract of land. He has, now he has a total, like, 6,000 acres, and it's a big lease made for riding four-wheelers on, and that's the, the main thing of it. I mean, there's four-wheeler trails everywhere. To get 50 yards off a four-wheeler trail out there hunting, is, it's honestly hard to do. But when he bought it, it was uh, in the contract that he didn't get the timber rights with it. So the Seneca Resources had the timber rights for I think close to nine years after he bought it and it's been i think eight years or so it's it's going on nine years but but whenever he bought it a lot of it had already been clear-cutted select cut there was a lot of old cuts that were super thick you know just one inch two inch trees in diameter but mm-hmm. just stacked on top of one another yep, yep. and he turned it into this big it's now there's pavilions throughout the woods and it's a huge tract of land like it's just the big river bottom both sides there's, it just runs for miles out, out through this bottom and uh once he bought it since we were always out there and stuff if you had a camp in the area he kind of kept it small and sold passes to so many people and it ain't much something like 80 bucks a year but he, he liked to keep it for the locals well i mean now there's there's i think over 2,000 passes sold for it Damn. so it's it's a pretty well-traveled fuller area i mean even during the week there's people out there in fullers whether they have a camp out there mm-hmm. or anything else so we get a pass every year we start hunting it and the pressure just increases like crazy so it's pretty much like hunting public land it's pretty vast terrain bunch of mountain laurel old cuts like i said mm-hmm. some big there's a big uh, i don't know if you ever heard of north fork yeah oh yeah yep it, north fork runs right through there yep. we've, we've killed a lot of bucks that right, right around north fork good deal but uh yeah so it was number november 9th this year and this is the spot i had a troll i had a troll camera it's a if you to picture it a little bit, it's a west facing hillside. Mm-hmm. And on top there's a it's just an old cup, I'd probably say fifteen years old, super thick, just a bunch of bean pole saplings. And the whole hillside's a clear cut. It was cut I think three years ago. So it's it's pretty nice. A lot of vegetation and the deer love it. Mm-hmm. And where the hill comes up, it's a, it's a knoll at the top. And I let me think here. It's west facing. Oh yeah, so the cut would be up to the east on top mm-hmm. and i with the trail camera i had there i had a lot of deer that were cruising that north to, or south to north based on the wind it was a lot of times whenever the wind was blowing from the east down over the hill mm-hmm. and a ton of does in there i didn't have a ton of bucks early season but a lot of does so i knew once the rut rolled around all them does were going up into that old slashing on top i knew if i could hunt below with the uh, east wind during the rut it, it could be a prime spot if i just put my time in there mm-hmm. And I hunted a few times early October. Never had any luck. I did see a couple does out of there, and that was pretty much it. And so I went in there November 9th. It was it was a rough morning. I was running late as it was, and a lot of people ride four-wheelers out there, and they'll, they'll drive them, I mean, not far from their stands, and just park them on an old gas pad or something. Mm-hmm. But I got an e-bike, so I started riding my e-bike out there, which no one does it. And I had, it was probably three quarters of a mile riding on my e-bike, just a nice tram road the way back in. It's a gated off-road. And as soon as I started from the truck, my e-bike died. And I was like, son of a gun. 
So <laughs> I, I had to, I went back down to the truck because I thought maybe if I could get the battery popped off, put it back on and get some, it, it'd work again because it showed half bar whenever it died, but it's super cool that morning. And it didn't work. So I'd pedal it a little bit, get off, walk it, pedal it, walk it. And after a while, finally, I just, I tucked it in the brush and I walked the rest of the way. And I hunt from a saddle. So by the time I got in there, set up and everything, I mean, it was, by the time I got my bow up and that, it was, it was shooting light already. And I, whenever I got there, I grabbed the card out of that camera. So while I was up my stand, I was first thing there, I checked, checked the card on it. And I had a couple good bucks, but nothing within like the past two weeks. It seemed like a lot of them were hitting it towards the end of October because mm-hmm. I had it on scrape. But the, uh, where I was set up, I was in an old ash tree and I didn't realize it. But when I got up in there, it got it was daylight at the time. But I looked up and the branches were like dead. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy, been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I was sketched out the whole time because if I move a little bit, there was just one dead branch up above me. It wasn't huge, but it was like three feet long, and I to do some damage. It would just like quiver, and I was like, oh boy. <laughs> so I was I was pretty pretty easy with my movements, mm-hmm. but probably helped you um, <laughs> being being a little yeah. slower with your movements. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. but. Um, there's a an old two track that ran from south to north so I was facing south like southeast and that two track come right towards me and about 50 yards before me it wide off and there's a big scrape at that wide and there wasn't a tree right there that I felt comfortable in without getting picked off if they came from anywhere so I wanted to be out on that hillside and it worked better with my wind because nothing was really coming in below me where I was set up I was set up right on the break of the hill and it was it was about nine o'clock way down uh south of me down that two track i just seen a buck cruising it was like 200 yards right along the bottom of the slash and so it was like set up perfect that's what i was there for i figured if there was does bedded in there there'd be bucks cruising that just checking it and he i grabbed my bow instantly and i mean he had a little ways to come yet but he covered ground it felt like 10 seconds he was already he was already coming over i know that well when he hit that when he hit that two track it wide off and it went up over well he hit that two track and he took a right and i needed him to take a left to come right by me so i heard on another podcast uh, aaron blasey i don't know if you ever listened to him mm-hmm. there was a uh, time he had a buck come in and it was so close to him that he didn't want to grunt because he said it would have picked him out so he like turned and made it sound like it was coming from way down behind him a little bit yep and that buck was headed up that two track so i turned and just gave one soft grunt behind me just to kind of get his get his attention he stopped and looked, he stood there looking around for like 10 seconds. And I made it sound like it was down over the hill, which he couldn't see at all. And he turned and just started coming right towards me. Well, the, the road that I walked in, I walked in clean on the left side of it. Because I was hoping if a deer come down, it, most of the time they walked the right side of it. That's where the heavy trail was. I didn't want him smelling me. Well, he come down and he like cut across and he was at 20 yards. And when he cut across it, he smelled right where I walked in. And he was just standing there sniffing it. And I was able to get over. It was a weak side shot actually and i drew on drew on him and i shot and i thought i i mean it it was it happened so fast i didn't exactly see where the arrow hit but it was the first time i ever shot a buck and he actually jumped up and i don't know if you ever heard him do the the roar it's like a it was it was wild yep i've been there done that yeah he did like it was like a big grunt he started running down the hill and then he stopped started coming back up and then he I could see the blood coming out of the opposite side. So I was like, well, that looks like a good shot right behind his shoulder. And he come up into some thick stuff. It was like 60 yards from me. And I don't know how I didn't see him die there, but he went up in there and I heard, he, I heard some leaves scuffle a little bit and I heard a branch like break off of a tree. 
after that, nothing. So I sat there for a while, all worked up, made a few phone calls and everything. And I decided I was going to sneak out of there the opposite way where I came in, yep. get out of there, give him some time. And I ended up going back out there with a the buddy and finding him dead right where, right where I heard that noise. And I last seen him go. So I was, I was pretty pumped about that. It was my second trad buck and it was cool. Yeah. Well, that is an awesome story, brother. And, um, so <clears throat> I got a lot of stuff here to ask you about, uh, about that. Yep. So basically you said that whenever you went in and you were setting up the, the, there was a thicket that you thought that the doe were bedding in and this was above you on the hillside. Is that correct? Yeah, it would have been, I was facing Southeast and it was on, it was like East of me, the whole hilltop above me, even like out further South where he come from that whole flat above me was all an old, old clear cut. So there was a lot of deer hanging out. Okay. There. All right. And I'm just, the only reason I'm, I'm wondering this is I'm just thinking the way that the deer come in and how you thought to set up for that. So were you anticipating on the east wind that the deer would be catching, uh, a buck would be catching the thermals rolling downhill from where you were at, uh, where the doe bedding was? Or Yes, exactly. Because he was, he was cruising right along that bottom side and the wind would have been coming right out of that. Mm-hmm. that cut you know it'd been blowing right in his face so he could cover just by cruising the bottom edge of that he could cover i mean mm-hmm. this ridge ran for at least it runs at least a mile it's right along north fork there so yep. yeah it runs at least a mile now so he could you, just cruise that whole thing if you were to look at that hillside and i'm just trying to paint a picture for people here so they can kind of maybe yep. maybe learn something from this conversation real quick if you were looking at that hillside how far up that hillside do you think that you would be like elevation wise yeah so say let's say um give me like a quarter to uh, you know a halfway up the hill uh three quarters of the way up the hill i'm i'm pretty much the whole i'm right literally right where it breaks off and it starts to level out at the top i'm right on that break so my wind mm-hmm. is, is perfect with an east wind my wind just carries way down over clean down into the creek bottom actually probably over the creek bottom yep yep, yep. that that sounds wonderful so basically you're hunting right off the edge of the military crest yep um Okay, and then so when you went in there and you said you you know that scrape was about fifty yards from you and you were setting up on that scrape and you didn't want to hunt right over just because you didn't feel that you had the proper cover, um, um, for for being in that spot. Now hunting scrapes, how did you you know come about thinking you know if there was another scrape in the area would you have hunted that one or was it there was a reason you picked that specific scrape that you thought was was better than hunting a different one was there uh you know was there signpost rubs there or there's any other rubs was it tore up like kind of paint that picture for us there's a there was there's a lot of scrapes along that hillside i mean it's a pretty good scrape line out of through there especially like towards the end of october but like the buck i killed he come across there mm-hmm. and he didn't even pay any attention to that scrape but that scrape there was like one of the more dominant ones okay and it was i mean it was it was really worked you could tell it'd been there for a couple of years a lot of the other ones that were along it were just you know them coming through there making one here and there each year yeah yeah that's that's cool man that's cool. more of a community scrape like early october i had a camera on it and there was there was does hitting it almost every morning consistently right and then you know what really led up to you getting a shot and killing that deer was you pulling just a an aggressive trick if you will right um yep. you know most guys in that situation like you were saying like if, if guys don't know, yeah, I would be in the same boat. Like if a deer was that close to me, I, I'm not going to make a noise, especially right. on a pressured deer, because as you know, you're done. You'll, they'll pick you out. Right. And you know, the, the move that you made, they was either going to run away or he was going <laughs> to notice it. Right. 
Yep. And that's, I mean, that's just learning from mistakes. There's times I've, I mean, when I was younger, I'd have deer right there in front of me, yep. you know, 50 yards and I run out and they just instantly pick you out. <laughs> I mean, any, any buck, your three and a half year old buck and up, even a two and a half year old, I mean, they're not that dumb all the time. Well, I just have one thing to say about that. Welcome to Pennsylvania, right? Yep. And that's why, you know, guys love this state so much and they hate it so much at the same time because our deer are very educated because we got a lot of hunters in the woods and, there's a lot of pressure other than hunting in the woods, right? We talk about yep. all the different outdoor, outdoor activities that we have in this state, and this show talks about all the time. That takes a toll on a deer herd too, you know. As yep. far and as I don't think I don't think that worked in every situation, but I think what made it there was he couldn't see that hillside at all, so it yep. made it that much, much yeah, better. That and you know, <laughs> it's really hard to say because how many different deer have different characteristics right they're, they're just right. they're just yep. all different like i've seen four points lay their ears back and run off you know 110 inch eight point yep and it, they're just all different i mean yep. they, they, i agree with that 100 they have their own personality and that's what makes them so cool um but so when you were in there you i'm, I'm assuming you said you did have an east wind yeah yeah okay. an east wind so morning. so um i mean you you timed that up hey i'm gonna go hunt this on an east wind Yep, it worked out perfect. A lot of the, and I, I was hunting there early season too, not that exact spot, but I was hunting that general area, and that's what I was hunting on a lot was the east to a south wind. Yeah, yep. And then for you to go in there and figure out, okay, the deer are using this side of the two track mostly instead of the other side of the two track. Like, I just kind of want to put that out there for everybody to think about for a second, as far as how detailed you thought into this. Yeah, it's it's just the little things sometimes. It's always the little things when it comes. Then, to that's it's like the same thing with my 21, 2021 buck. There's so many little things. Like if one of them little things went wrong, it never killed that deer. It's just the way it works. And chasing after these white tails. Yeah, I know, man. And it's so funny though because I swear to you, like, there's times where I I sit down and I draw this up, and this is the way it needs to go, and I'm going to hunt this wind and go in there on this and do that, and everything falls into place like I think it will, and then poof, you know, here comes dark, and I'm climbing down, right? Yep. And then on the total flip side, I go in blind, and I'm like, boy, there's a giant scrape. This looks like a good spot. I climb up in the tree, and <laughs> here he comes, right? Yep. So yeah, like, that's, that's the 100% the truth. That's exactly how it is. It it is man and that's that's honestly the beauty of it but you know there is times where we try to put ourselves in the best position possible and when it pans out like it did and it works out like it did for you it's a well-deserved deer and i'm not saying that all deer aren't well-deserved i'm just saying some feel a little better than others and uh, that's that is <laughs> one way to make it feel a little better than others oh, without, without a doubt that made it feel just 10 times better just being that he read the script perfectly that's that don't happen i haven't had that happen too many times really come exactly where you expect them to come from and doing exactly what you expect them to and do isn't it funny while you're sitting there in a the tree stand the whole time you keep thinking boy if that deer comes from that spot right there right if that deer comes from that spot i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and you just like <laughs> you just you play it over and over in your head and then when it actually happens you're like oh shit it actually is. <laughs> it's actually going i pictured down. i pictured a deer coming from where he was at all morning long so when i seen him i was like am i actually seeing one or am i just picturing it again ain't, ain't that something man i was hunting yep. ohio and i had something similar happen it was raining and the wind was you know it was raining sideways but it wasn't raining hard but enough to where you like i had to squint a little bit yep and uh, i was in a hang on tree stand and i didn't have a saddle or nothing on but 
I had turned myself and flipped my seat up and leaned. I was leaning against a tree and kind of had my head against the tree facing behind me. Yep. And just like kind of blocking out the wind a little bit. And I kept thinking, boy, I'm probably looking the wrong way. And there's going to be one that comes up behind me here. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking behind me and all of a sudden I, I mean, this little, little spot I could see, you know, out pretty far and, I seen the antlers coming and I'm like, you gotta be shitting me. This deer is coming and I'm looking and I'm ready. And I, you know, I ain't going to hear them in the rain. And usually you right. know, that's when they sneak up on you. So <laughs> yep. anyway, it came in and I missed anyway, but still, um, just, just a little too far. I tried to make something happen on the last day that I was there and it was about 40 yard shot and I ended up clipping a limb. And sometimes I, I don't know, man, I I've been there and sometimes I just would rather make a mistake and be aggressive and walk, you know, look at it and say, well, I tried. <laughs> yeah, it's a big learning process. Right. I've done that a ton of times. For sure, and I've for sure. And I, from all of them. and I won't take an inhumane shot in any way. You know, I, I right. you know, I, I, I really like to hang my hat on that because, unfortunately, I have been the subject of, I guess, if you will, learning the hard way on shooting and wounding deer. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And that's something that I wanted to, to segue right into, man, because what you said was, you shot that deer, okay, and there's a couple things that you see happen when you shoot a deer. And I think I think this, some people are really going to like where we're going with this. So when you shoot a deer, you hear multiple different noises, and some of those noises kind of stick in your head, and you know, right? You have that, like that thud. It's like a hollow, like a hollow thwack. Yep. And, and it's usually, you know okay, that, that deer is hurt, right? That's, that sound like a mortal wound. Then you have that, it's kind of like a, like a whack. Yep. And when I hear that noise, I don't get too excited. Nope. Usually it don't mean too good. And then you sometimes will get a noise out of the animal, right? And that's, that's what you got. And uh, everyone that I've got a noise out of, they didn't go very far. And, and that's okay. That's a, so after I, I was, I heard that. No, that's the first time I ever had a deer do that. And I, I don't know if it was just, it was completely unexpected. It caught him off. But after I left there, I mean, I went home and obviously, this is before I found him. Mm-hmm. I was Googling that. And I mean, there's some people that had just mixed emotions on it saying how, like, oh, they didn't find him and mm-hmm. all this. It was a gut shot. And I was like, I know I wasn't that far back because I was hugging the shoulder pretty tight. Right. Um, so what, what do you practice whenever you, track a deer right and i guess what i'm getting at is where where did you learn how to track a deer and 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 what what different things do you practice whenever you are tracking a deer so take me right to the shot right you just shot what's next uh so normally i i I made the mistake too many times of just getting excited and I jumped down out of the stand, jump them. I've had that happen on at least two or three different deer and I never ended up finding them. Mm-hmm. And I give a lot of credits to my old man cause he's very patient, very detailed whenever he gets into tracking. But yeah. a lot of times I was hunting by myself and, and I'd get excited to get down out and he, I knew better than to do it, but I let my nerves take over. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I'm 100% same boat and I try to preach to people because I have friends that have shot deer and, you know, they made good shots and like they climb right down out of their tree stand or, you know, off yeah. the ground or whatever. And like they're tracking that deer. I mean, minutes after they shot. And I'm like, yeah. 
you know, you, you, you're going to pay for that at some point because you'll learn the hard way. And that's, I mean, I guess, I guess that's just what makes you better at it. I, yes. In that scenario, I think you're right. But you know what, what will end up happening for those listeners that don't know or have never been around that is you will jump that deer. And for one reason or another, that deer will clot up. Yep. And if it's a gut shot, good luck. If the mm. deer's clawed up, good luck. You know, they usually don't lay back down within a long range if you jump them. Right. And no, usually if you jump them that first time, usually, I mean, a lot of times, every a lot of the stories you hear is, oh, we tracked him for another 200 yards, lost blood, and he never bettered it again, or mm-hmm. even further than that a lot of times. Right. And, you know, fortunately here in Pennsylvania, we now have the ability to call a dog. Yeah, and I think I think that's huge. Oh my god! For whatever reason, that we weren't allowed to do that for the longest time. Yeah, and yep. I, I have no idea, man. But I am super excited about that because, like I said, I have people that are in that game. They got skin in it. They got the dogs, and I'm all for being able to find a wounded animal and bring that animal home. Yep, I guarantee you that it saves so many deadheads in, in a year. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm. I'm positive of that, but yeah, without um, a doubt, but you know, I, I guess, uh, w- w- to dive back into what we were saying. So, you know, you shot and then you backed out. Yep. So how long after you shot, did you wait to even come down out of a tree? So my buddy had to come from about 45 minutes. I mean, I had a half hour drive back to my house anyway. So I got down out of the tree. I sat there roughly 45 to an hour. I was down out right around 10. And when I left, I left my bone, the tree, my backpack. And like, I took off my coat. Like, I just wanted to sneak out there, sneak out of there as quietly as I could. Cause I was just unsure of it. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that I think that we should just kind of put out there is I, I wait, I wait an hour. That's yep. what I shoot for. That's what I am comfortable with. If I'm not comfortable with going to look where I shot, because it's real iffy, then I won't. If not, I'll go down and I'll see if my arrow is where I shot or just kind of look and see what kind of hair or what kind of blood is in that spot. Yep. And then kind of judge it from there. Yeah, and it's it's something I didn't see him fall over because, I mean, where I shot him, where I found him was only 70 yards. But, I mean, I at first, I, I mean, I felt very good about the shot. But you know how it is when you sit there, you just start second-guessing yourself. Yeah. Now, that's – unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it's true, and I've – I don't know how many times like I've pulled my binoculars up after I shot and I'm looking at the ground all around, like, what can I see? What can I see? You know, without getting down and, and disturbing everything and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I really like the, what, the, what you're practicing and what you're saying, you know, you, you, you got down, you backed out immediately as soon as you knew or had thought any thought that, Hey, this may not have been the best shot. I want to back out. I want to let this deer die. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I had this conversation with Lane Hausner on on one of the podcasts and yeah it's a super easy way to lose a deer to jump it so for anybody listening get down you know maybe if you're if you think it was a good shot maybe you can walk over and check out where you shot or maybe not maybe just back out come back in in an hour hour and a half or maybe call somebody for some help if you can because it, it is it's one thing to track a deer and go do it alone and all that stuff and sure that's fun and all but Let's face it. I I have way more fun whenever my family or my friends are involved and in, in helping, right? 
Oh yeah, especially in the recovery. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, goodness. and then especially you get to the deer, and if you don't have to pack it out, then you guys, you know, you got help. You can get yeah. to get the damn thing out of there. So. Yep. Sit there and celebrate it a little bit. Yeah. Way better have people Hell actually yeah, coming it, it feels like you know, instead of you just killing that deer, you know, we we killed that deer, right? Yep. And that's that's what it's all about. I mean, you, you think back to all the tribes and stuff of, of native people and like they that's what they did, you know. They, it was a group effort. It was a whole group effort and that's why they celebrated and it was you know, it's just it's part of the kill and we always laugh and we'll raise a beer or you know, a coffee or whatever in the air and we'll say to the hunt, you know. Yep. Um, but like we were saying, so if you were to walk up there and um find uh, I don't know blood with with bubbles in it you know that's is that a sign for you to proceed a little a little bit more uh... yeah definitely i mean uh, blood blood but i mean i like i'd like to see at least a decent bit of blood but sometimes i mean you don't have blood for a good 30 40 yards sometimes further than that just all depending on the hit and the shot placement of it yep for sure for sure man yep um now is there anything that you practice if you were to lose blood um do you backtrack the spot uh that you found last bud and kind of make sure that the deer didn't do something funky because i know that plenty of the deer i track when they're wounded they'll do like crazy things things that you don't you would never imagine are 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 right so do you um do you mark like a spot where you find last blood and then kind of back away from it and relook at it do you you know do you back out and i'm going to come in and back in in the morning do you leave a jacket in that area because maybe there's coyotes or maybe the deer's dead around there or anything like that? Yes. I mean, yeah, usually for the most part, if you're, I mean, if I'm tracking one and it's good blood, we, you know, we just we stick with it. My dad's very slow about it. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I've started slowing myself down a lot because sometimes it's very minuscule amounts of blood you're looking for. But if it gets to the point where it's pittering out and you're getting a little unsure, we always, whether that last spot be like a little dot or just a good sized spot, we, we always mark it there. And then just kind of span around from there and try to see. Because sometimes, you know, they'll be going on a beeline. The next thing you know, they're turning back around and <laughs> kicking back the other way or something. I, yes, I know. And that's what I'm getting at. So um, what what so one thing that we like to practice and we like to do, as long as we have the help to do it, is like whoever has the hot eye goes first. So yep. if you've seen the blood, you're in front, right? And if, yep. I feel like for some reason the person that's spotting it, they just, for whatever reason, they, they see it and they just keep moving. Yeah, they have an eye for it at they, the time. Yeah, yep, exactly. And then, um, you know, the guys that are standing right behind them are kind of body searching up ahead of them. You know, yep. they're looking for a belly or something like that. Just, just um, you know, or something funny. You know, here's a, here's a fresh crack limb. Like maybe it moved up there before we, you know, if we lose blood here, we're going to go look over there or something like that. So That's exactly how it goes too. Yeah, yep. And it's, you know, I, like I said, I've hunted with multiple different groups of people and, been around a lot of different things but you know for anybody listening that doesn't practice that hey you know maybe try that out next time and if you don't have somebody to help you track your deer by god call me i'll, I'll freaking do what i can to come <laughs> yep. help you because i feel for you and it's really it's really really hard to get into man it's it, yeah, half the time i'm just excited to find somebody else as i as i am later. that's the truth that's the truth man so um but taking ethical shots uh how, how do you you know, how do you kind of judge what, what is, what is an ethical shot to you? Definitely within your, your comfort zone. So like with the compound, I, I shouldn't have been shooting over 30 yards, but there was 30 yards is my comfort zone, but there's too many times, you know, that deer come in, you get excited and you shoot a lot, a lot yeah. further than what you should have been shooting mm-hmm. and mess up from it. But I mean, just a, a good shot. I mean, I, 
I know some people are against it, but I will take a frontal shot. I haven't done it with a recurve yet, but I did it three times the compound, and every time those deer didn't go more than 50 yards if you yeah. place it well. Aims but, I mean, as long as you have the right angle and everything and just a humane shot so you're not putting that deer through anything. Yep, yep. I feel that, man. Um, now, we had to step back out there for one second, uh, just a little malfunction there through the through the wireless network that is cell phones but i was saying i i had a deer a nice buck i mean probably a good 120 inch deer 125 inch deer old deer he was probably about 40 45 yards from me i was in the process of getting up the tree and i what i did was actually waited until light and um you were saying about climbing up in a dead tree well in this area there's a lot of dead trees so i waited till it got light to climb a tree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um i was on my second step and i just run i just use two um uh, two climbing sticks full length climbing sticks with aiders okay. and then on the top i use lone wolf sticks and then on like, like the, the og lone wolf sticks and then on the yep, top the, long, the longer ones yeah and then i use two aiders and then i um i just put um double steps on top of them okay and it just makes it a little easier for me to get the next stick up and then get the tree stand hung or saddle platform whatever i'm hunting out of definitely those double steps make that way easier yeah they do they do i don't i found that you don't really need them at the bottom you know the top is where you know you're spending your most most your time so yep um i uh i i pulled you know i have my my lineman's rope on my lineman's belt on and uh, I had my saddle on, and I was just kind of going hybrid. I was gonna, I had my tree stand, but I also had my saddle on. And I've been kind of doing that and using in my saddle as like my, um, my 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 fall protection, if you will. Yep. And then also, then if I want to flip around, I can just flip around and you know hang in the saddle for a while. Yeah, that that's all, that's a great idea, honestly. It, kind of a two for one. It is, man. And then all I do is I pull, I flip the seat up, and then I just take my pad off the seat and I put it below. Uh, like underneath the seat yep on the bottom of the seat so that i can just push my knees against it that's a good idea yeah it works pretty well man um but anyway i was on the second step uh i hadn't you know my tree stands on my back and i don't put nothing else on my back when i climb i just put my uh sticks on my on my waist and then my tree stand on my back and then i leave my backpack on the ground and i just i hoist it up all together um, I'll hoist my bow up with my backpack, all that, or, yeah, or I just won't even use a, uh, a backpack and I'll just stuff all the stuff into my, my saddle or like my pockets and such. Yep. That's if I normally like, I, I usually have like a bigger pack, a bigger bag on my saddle and then mm-hmm. two for my, my ropes, but usually that bigger pack, like if I was just on a quick hunt, I could stuff a range finder grunt to just whatever little things I needed for that evening set or morning set. Yep. Um, I've found that being minimalistic is the way to go, especially in the mobile game, but that's something we're going to get into here in a little bit. Um, what I did want to tell you was it, it was about 40, 45 yards of deer come running up on me and I seen it. It was one of the mornings where you could see the, um, the, uh, the condensation coming out of the deer's nostrils and Oops. like, you gotta love that. That's, that's the shit that you live for. And, uh, <laughs> yes, my turkey hunt this year, every time he gobbled, I could just see it coming. It was the coolest thing ever. That's yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, so this buck was chasing a doe. I had seen her in the morning, uh, right before I hung and she was kind of acting funny and moving by me. And I was just excited that there was a doe in the area. Cause this was at about, November 10th or 9th, I think is what it was. 
So, you mean, you kind of know what's going on. And to see a deer like that, I'm thinking, okay, well, at least they're not, you know, they're not locked down right now at this moment, if you will. Or she's yep. not being bred at this moment. You know, Yeah, there's, she's not being held, held somewhere. Right, right. So, um, big mature doe, I'm thinking, you know, hey, if, if she's around, more than likely something's going to come looking for her. And uh, I'm on my second step. I turn my head, and he's standing there. He's probably at about 45 yards, 40 yards. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if he don't see me, you know, I can get my bow up. I have my lineman's belt on, and I got two steps, you know, two feet on my top steps on my, on my double. I can easily shoot from this position. So I pulled the bow up, and he was on my strong side. I'm right-handed. And I got an arrow knocked, and I, I got the bow back. But it was just, I mean, it was just a little too thick. Like, I, I, I probably had the shot, but it was just... As soon as I questioned myself, I'm, I said, I'm not shooting unless he gets up to that spot and doesn't walk any further away. So I just, I watched him walk away. That's just the truth. I mean, I, I, I bleeded a couple times and then I went to a grunt and I did the same thing you did. Like you said, I turned my head and, and I tried to make it sound like it was coming down from the hollow. And, um, he was on that dough. He wasn't worried about nothing, nothing going on over there. And I think that he knew I was there. It's just. I've been in that position where they know you're there and they just don't care. Like if the dough's hot, they just don't care. Yep. And it's hard to do, but that's just self-control. Sometimes you just got to, you got to watch them walk. It's, yeah. it's hard, but. Yeah. And I think that you live and you learn um, yep. when you, when you've been in a position where you wounded deer, like I have in an unfortunate manner, you, I mean, I lose sleep <laughs> to this day. So you know, I, I think about deer that I hit years ago and it's like, man, if only I could have found him. Yeah, and there is something to be said to being able to rebound on that. And um, yep. I guess I guess we could touch into that real quick. You know, when when you do get out there and you do wounded deer, it's terrible and it's really hard, and it can be really hard to go back out there and do it again. Yep. And I, uh, you know, I I think sometimes what it takes is you wounded a buck in early October, and you get back in the woods and a doe presents herself. If you're going to eat that deer, I think it's time to let it fly. Yeah, to boost that confidence. That's a huge confidence booster, right yep. there, especially after a situation where you wound one. Yep, yep. And I preach that. I feel like that's, you know, I feel like a lot of guys walk around with their head up a little too high. Like, oh, I don't shoot those. No, no, don't be a dick, okay? Yep. All right, we're, I'm, I'm out here killing does. What's wrong with that? There ain't nothing <laughs> yep. wrong with it, okay? So, um. Yeah, get down off your high horse if you're listening. All right, there are there are some of us who who do shoot does, and we'll we'll gladly take your doe tags if you if you need them filled. So yeah, if you don't want them, pass them my way. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're not going to use them, man, we'll we'll uh, we'll help the population because we got to play it on both sides, right? Yeah, good practice and food, meat in the freezer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, but it's just something to be be said about being able to get back on that high horse and 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 get out there and get the job done again and um yeah i think that that's one way to do it and i think another way to do it is when you go home you know shoot your bow just shoot and and another thing that i I like to practice is you know i get home from work and maybe i'm not going to go in the woods that night or maybe i am going in the woods that night and i just let one maybe one arrow fling right yep i just shoot one right now and it's like it kind of because i feel like that just builds up within you like you're like i haven't shot this bow that cold shot, it's huge, yeah. Yeah. And with the recurve, that was something I started doing a lot more. I mean, there was a couple mornings 
a lot of mornings my first year hunting with like i would go out in the garage i'd have i mean i'm only shooting 10 feet but just to get the feel of it one time and and that's what we're gonna do man we're gonna dive right into it here uh we're gonna how in the hell did you get into traditional hunting it all started with a haircut (laughs) (laughs) so there's a retired state cop here in town he's an older gentleman and he's he's been a big trad guy and i went in there to get a haircut one day we'd always talk about hunting a little bit here and there trapping and stuff and i didn't know it but he ended up telling me he's like yeah i hunt with the recurve and i was like oh really i I had no idea i mean and my uncle started dabbling in it two years ago but i mean i never really thought anything of it at the time Uh and he's like yeah we shoot we have a club there's a there's a club which i was already part of i shot compounds and stuff up there 3d shoots and stuff like that but he's like over winter because this was this had been january and he said yeah we shoot i think it was yeah, it was every wednesday or thursday every thursday they shoot up there you know just bunch all recurve guys it's a trad night and they just go up there and they shoot and have fun they don't keep score they just do whatever drink some beers and just have a good time uh-huh. and he's like you should come up sometime and give it give it a whirl so i think it was it was a bit following week i was like, yeah what the heck i'll go up and i had a buddy that uh buddy he would go up there with his dad and stuff so i was like yeah i'll give it a try he's a big recurve guy his name you might know him gage Golvis. oh yeah but uh i, I messaged him i was like hey could you bring me a bow to shoot and he's like oh yeah so he brought me a bow and stuff and the whole time i was up there i was just shooting and shooting and shooting those guys would take breaks but i just i was trying to just figure it out a lot of these guys are good shots up there a lot of them are older gentlemen there's not many young guys mm-hmm. but there's just getting to be more young guys in it and that was pretty much where it all started after that that night i went home and was on on the internet looking at recurve bows and everything and i almost bought one that night and i was like yeah i better sold off next day i got on and bought one and i was like yep, here we go i already dove in i mean that was that was within 24 hours i already bought one which that was a big mistake on my part i should have waited and i could have bought one a lot cheaper off one of those guys well you know sometimes you just you just want to do it and looking get excited and yeah. Get late. yeah hell yeah man i mean and looking back on a lot of different stuff that i've purchased you know um like that uh yeah i probably could have found some stuff cheaper yep. but you know that's like those impulse buys man that's why whenever <laughs> you're in you're in line in freaking grocery store and they got all them packs of gums and candy bars and all that other hoopla there you're like well i kind of want that do you need it <laughs> yep, no right. you don't need it but you freaking buy it anyway you know yep. so um that happens and i i get that but uh so i mean the bugs on the traditional side it bit you pretty quickly and i i want to give a testament and a shout out to the guys that are in trad archery that are good at getting guys like me and you into it because i feel like just like you were saying man that's the best group of guys in the game i and and i talk about it on here all the time but i know guys that do it and they they're just not judgmental they don't give a shit about your crossbow they don't give a shit about your compound they don't care that you shoot a hoiter or matthews they don't you know are uh fixed or uh expandable broadhead they don't they they don't want to talk about none of that stuff man they just want to hear you talk about deer hunting or shooting your bow and um, they just don't get excited and there's such a split in the hunting community over stupid things. Like, like we're just, like I was just saying, you know, broadheads and, uh, what kind of bow you use and all that other yep. stuff that the trad guys are just like, Hey, we're just over here. And if you want to be cool and just chill, we're here. So, um, it's, it's a great camaraderie. I, I love it. I mean, you go up to the club and we're all just pass your bows around pretty much. Shoot, we're, shoot everybody's bows. You just hang out and everybody gets along. Not yeah. much competing that goes on. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. It really is cool. So you you were bitten by that, and then 
how long how long right now have you been in in the traditional archery so that was 2021 so i've oh, two shit. i've two i went through two hunting seasons right but 2021 and then 2022 so in 2021 you shot a buck your first year with traditional archery yeah and it ended up being my biggest buck to date and i actually i killed a doe before that with the recurve as well did you shoot the doe first or the buck i shot the doe first Still, damn brother you, you must have a horseshoe up your butt you know that Oh, you're freaking right. <laughs> and then, then, then last year, I went and killed three bucks. I was like, man, my luck has got to be running out. <laughs> it's not, though, man. Uh, just just from hearing you talking and, and, and seeing how you observe the woods, you you have been blessed. And, you know, I know that you were credited at your, your dad uh, early on there. And I can imagine the conversations and the things that you have been shown because mm-hmm. you don't just learn those little small details and nuances on your own. And I'm not saying you can't. Yes, you could. But what I'm saying is the best way that you learn that stuff is somebody, you know, puts their wing over top of you and says, check this out. Yep. And I, I've, you're, you're right with that because I've, even with all the mess ups I've had and all the learning experiences, I still wouldn't be half as far with those as if it wasn't for my dad. I mean, just all the knowledge and everything he showed me and the hunts he's taking me on and everything like that, that makes it that much easier. Yeah. Yeah, man, that that is one of the beauties of Pennsylvania that we have here. Our 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 hunting heritage it's, it's so strong that it's almost weird when you talk to somebody and they have no idea what you're talking about when you're talking about hunting. <laughs> yep. And that's I mean, I don't know if you've been in other states or spent multiple time like a, a good amount of time in other states, but like it's not like that. Oh no, no doubt about it. I mean, it's just it's just part of being like born and raised here. It's just not everybody, but a lot of them. Right. If you ain't living in the city, a lot of people who live out like where we do and stuff. I mean, you're gonna hunt for the most part. Right, exactly. So, um, but you you, you jump two feet forward, right, and into, into this quicksand that is traditional archery, and you 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 never turn back, right? You do you even do you even have a compound now or? Uh, the compound I was using was my dad's. It was a Hoyt. I have it in a case. Okay. I think I took it back down to his house, though, honestly. Okay. I, I was just I, I was just curious. I didn't know if, you know, when it come 3D time, if you ran around with the compound for a while or you, you know, you just, hey, you know, this is my, this is my identity and this is what I like or. Maybe it's traditional or nothing pretty much now. <laughs> sweet, sweet. And there's so much to be said for the difference uh, into that. And I want you to dive into. What are the biggest differences that you've found from going from a compound to a traditional setup? I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's not even a ton of differences. It just comes. I mean, the biggest thing, the hardest thing with it is accepting like the yardage loss. Like you ain't shooting 30, 40 yards. I mean, you can, but if you then you're not real confident in the shot like that. But the biggest thing is getting confidence built up and being confident with the bow you're using. I. I'll be honest with you. I feel just as deadly with that recurve as I do with a compound. That's awesome. I mean, yep. It's just a matter. And the biggest thing, I mean, with the recurve, I had to change my setups quite a bit, like getting closer and mm-hmm. getting the deer a lot closer is the biggest thing. So, and then being able to do that without them busting you and whatnot. So what you have found within that is an improvement ship in your woodsmanship without a doubt make it you have to yeah you have to observe things a lot more and i've noticed it i mean and i'm not gonna lie even with the recurve i've become a lot more aggressive with it too because those opportunities don't come very often uh-huh. and when it comes to the recurve I, I need as many opportunities as i can get 
It's badass, man. Uh, I'm I'm just gonna let you know, like it's to me, and like I told you before, I I am going uh, to go that route. It's a matter of time. I just have my my feet in a lot of different ponds, and I'm yep. putting, putting out a lot of different fires here and there. But it to a lot of people, I think that the traditional way is very scary, if you will. Or... And it, it is, and that's the thing. I I started telling everybody after like a week or two of shooting. I was like, "Oh, it's recurve or nothing, recurve or nothing." And I'm a man who, I eat my words. I don't like to be proven wrong. So after that, I was like, like I, I was second guessing myself constantly. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, it, it ain't all about killing every year and stuff like that. But I was trying to talk myself through it. But I mean, I had to stick with it. I told, told everybody it was switching to it, and I wasn't giving it up. I started my season off with two misses and. A lot of people would go back to the compound. And I was like, I can't. I got to stick with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Got to eat my words. Brother, hats off to you. Because, yeah, a lot of people would because, you know, the, that like we're saying, that learning curve is is a lot to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I, I know one of the things that maybe you can attest to is how much more do you think that you shoot that recurve than you did when you had your compound? Oh, my gosh. A ton more. I won't lie. I've been slacking lately. But the first, like – after going up there and shooting with those guys, I mean, I once my bow came in, I was shooting every day, clean up the season, and even throughout season, which was a weird part. When I compound, I put that thing down before season. There might be a week I go without shooting it, which is wrong. It shouldn't have been like that. I should have been shooting it a lot more. Mm-hmm. But the recurve, I was just addicted to shooting because it's something that's just so hard to master, and like it's just it's just so addicting. It's hard to even explain. Is there anything that you do when you're shooting, like to try to mimic a? A real life situation do you do you shoot out of your saddle do you i mean what do you oh, do yeah. yep i'll shoot out of my i shoot out of my saddle i mean quite a bit just to get used to things but i i do hunt from the ground quite a bit too so i mean shooting from the ground is what i do for the most part but the thing is i don't have to shoot out of my saddle a ton because my setups i don't i don't climb near as high as i used to with the compound compound i get up 18 20 feet with the saddle i just i stay low mm-hmm. i just that's that's another thing too it's hard sometimes hard to find cover low but I mean, I'm only, I use two sticks and they're mini sticks and I have an eight or on each, but a lot of times I'm only hanging anywhere from like 10 to 13 feet. Yeah. I mean, I'm, so I, yeah, I am, I hunt the same exact way that you hunt. And yes. what I have found is, and actually the one, I want to make a, a shout out to somebody I know, and that's Byron over at the Whitetail Experience. He has really been pushing that out there. Um, just one sticking, you know and not not like one sticking to get up the tree like a one stick hang out one stick no just just one stick and hunt in a beech tree you know on the ground or like um you know really using the terrain to your advantage and not having to hunt high now don't get me wrong i don't want anybody to come out and say well i hunt high because of thermals oh i i understand there's there's different situations and there's there's things that that need to be different for 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 all different places but um I'm very comfortable, very, very comfortable at 14 to 15 feet. And I can, yep. I can do it pretty quickly and pretty efficiently with two sticks like I do. Yep. And my biggest thing, it's just the, the whole kill zone. I mean, if you're at 18, 20 feet, it's a lot different than being anywhere from like 12 to 13 feet. Like yeah. 12 to 13 feet, I mean, you're right there with them. Like mm-hmm. your, your angles aren't changing a whole, whole lot. Mm-hmm. Unless they're right underneath you, of course. Yeah. And that. You know, that is a testament to, to, um, so I have nice camouflage, if you will. Um, why did I buy nice camouflage? I won't say it wasn't all because I'd like to see the hype, 
because that was a definitely a little bit into it. Um, yep. But at the same time, I got a very heavy discount on what I have. Um, so I bought it, but I will tell you, and I will be the first one to tell you that I will go out in, um, you know, plain clothes. I don't want to say plain clothes, but solid colors. You know, I have no problem with wearing greens and, and browns and stuff like that in a tree stand anymore and still being at 13, 14, 15 feet. And I'm, I'm comfortable. I will set myself up to where I feel like I'm hidden. Yep. And that's, that's, that, that, I can, I feel like I could get away with wearing anything because I'm always trying to set it up to where the, I can keep the tree between me and the deer. Like that ash tree I was in, it was, it was, a, it was big in diameter and I could pretty much keep my whole entire body behind that tree and I would just keep it between myself and the deer. So, I mean, my camera don't really come into play at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, the shot that you said you made, you said you made it from your weak side. And, you know, I think that that's just a testament to all the practice that you do. Yep. And, um, now, when you said that that shot that you made on that bucket was on your weak side, did you spin around or did you turn yourself? Are you right-handed? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So did you turn yourself, did you pull the bow uh, over the tree and go to your right? Or did you spin and then brace your leg or something up against the tree and shoot around your body? No, I was I was already, he was still like in front of me. But the way, the, how big that tree was, he uh-huh. was still just, I just I just had to bring the bow up over the tether, which with a 66-inch recurve, and getting away with that movement when the deer's right there at 20 yards isn't always easy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard enough time with my – it scares the bejesus out of me thinking that, that the deer is going to be on the wrong side when I'm in a saddle. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, like that's like my worst nightmare what, what happened. Actually, I wouldn't say my worst nightmare. That like that 3 o'clock shot is what I really don't want. But And that's that's pretty – it was like it was right around there in between yeah. 2 and 3 o'clock is about right where it was at. Damn, that's like that's – if Kenny Logwins is around, man, that's the danger zone. But honestly, with the the recurve, I kind of like it because I can just put that arm right up against like my tether and then my arm, my my shooting arm, bow arm is always straight. So it's kind of like it just it lets me extend my back a little bit. And I I, I do like it. it doesn't really allow me to pinch my shoulders a whole lot. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that that's because, like I said, that's you're practicing enough in it and that's where you're comfortable. And that's what I know a lot of guys are afraid of those shots and stuff like that. And I I have put more time into practicing that shot and I am more comfortable doing it. Now don't get me wrong. If I had the time and felt like I could get away with it, I'd rather spin and get my leg braced against a tree and then swing across my body. But, Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's like a natural shot, but, yeah. um, in, yeah, in a situation man. like that with him being that close, it was just nice being, being able to bring it right over the tether. Cause doing that, I was able to keep an eye on him the whole time. So if you were to pick his head up, I'd be able to stop the movements. So I didn't have my back to him at all. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There, there's all different scenarios and you have to be prepared for all of them, but yep. uh, yeah, when you're able just to, to push the bow, boy, that is a lot of bow to move around. That's why I thought maybe you spun, <laughs> but holy shit, like that's, yeah, I don't know. That's a lot. I'm picturing it all in my head. Um, and I, had to, I had to do the same thing in Indiana on that first though. I killed three curves. She was eight yards. I had to do the same exact thing. Damn, Luckily yeah. I had to cover. Hey, yeah. I mean, but that's why you set yourself up in that cover, right? Yep. So, um, as far as more stuff with your traditional setup, um, what do you, what are you doing like about your arrows? Are you, um, is there a special setup that you have or anything like that? How many grains are, are you out, are out in front of you on the heads? And I'm guessing you're shooting a fixed head, but. Yeah. Yeah. I shoot a fixed broadhead. Uh, so when it comes to arrow setups, like my compound, my dad, like we would just go get arrows, cut them to length, you uh-huh. know, put your hundred grain fill point on your hundred grain broadhead and 
right. you'd, you'd hunt with it. Mm-hmm. We'd paper tune and everything, but with recurve arrows, it's so much different because you have to get that arrow to fly straight out of your bow, and it's it comes down to your form and everything else. You have to be able to draw to the same point and stuff like that every time, and you, you, it's a it's a huge game to get into. It was the biggest headache for me diving into it. It was it was tough to do. Yeah. Now, and then, uh, you, I mean, I guess you shoot with your fingers. Yeah, yep, I shoot three fingers under the air. Okay, and then what do you do for a rest? Uh, the first year, well, actually, I guess that was, I have an elevated rest. I have a springy rest on both my bows. I'm shooting metal risers now. One's aluminum, the other one's carbon, And but my old bow, which was my wood bow, it had a little brush, it had a plate on it, and it was a bare bow, and it had a little brush rest on it. Yeah, okay, yeah, I got you. Yeah, that's, what do you shoot now? What kind of bow is it? Uh, actually, I, last year I shot my buck with a Hoyt Satori, and then this winter I went to Lancaster for the Lancaster Classic, and there was a compound archer that won a Gila, which are made in Italy, and it was like a like $600 bow, and he's like, I don't have any use for it, I was like, I'll give you 300 bucks for it, and he sold it to me, so I have it set up, and it's two inches shorter too, so it's actually 64 inches, which I wanted, so then that way, I could, if I hunted a ground blind, I could shoot out of it, because with that 66-inch bow, I was always hitting the top. Yeah, how tall were you? It was 66 inches. But how how tall are you standing from the Oh, ground? I'm like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, okay. Yeah. Just to give people an idea what that... Yep. And I, I mean, that was shooting sitting down, too. Yeah. That's a lot of bow. Yeah, it is. It's that, and that's another thing. You know, you're carrying that a big stick through the woods compared to the compound. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and we're talking about in an industry where, you know, even like my Matthews, I think, is 28 inches limb to limb. Yep. <laughs> I, I have a target bow and just the riser alone is 29 inches it's or yeah 29 inches total it's 70 inches with limbs on it <laughs> <laughs> holy shit that's the same one they had robin hood isn't it yep <laughs> um pretty much so you when you go into woods how many arrows do you normally take with you uh, usually i'll have at least four in the quiver okay. for the most part okay oh, and they're usually I'll have one in there with like a varmint tip on because sometimes when I'm up there just to boost that confidence up to shoot at a stump or something like that. Yeah, I feel that, man. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. That's a sometimes lot it feels good just to let one fly. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, man. We're in there to have fun. You know, my, my cousin, he has a, um, a blow dart gun he takes with him. Oh, okay. And he uh, just <laughs> hangs out and shoots squirrel and it's just, he's having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be cool. That's a good, that's a good idea. Pack <laughs> yeah. in the pack. Well, he got one of those. Um, I'm trying to think of that famous dude. He he. Tim uh, Wells. Yeah, I was gonna say Tim Wells. That's it. What yeah. he got? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's pretty impressive, man. We had it oh. out one day, and I was like, dude, this thing is lethal. Oh, they're deadly. Tim Wells is shooting bears and buffoons with them. <laughs> I, and everything yeah. else. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's cool, Oof. man. That's real cool. So, what 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 advice would you give somebody? that is going to get into this this game this- the biggest thing is just preparing yourself building up that confidence finding it's nice to have people that can help you through it because it, it's a lot to take on like when it comes to tuning arrows there's so many different ways to do it and everybody has their own way of doing it some people don't believe in cutting arrows some people some people will just add weight to them and leave them full length but finding a mentor or someone near you that you can link up with that can show you stuff in person helps but honestly a lot of it that i learned i, I mean I can, I can have someone show me something but sometimes I, I just can't take it in so i'll get on youtube 
the push archery, which they're promoting traditional archery huge, and they've grown the sport big in the past few years. Mm-hmm. They have a video. It's called – they have a ton of educational videos. I mean, anything you want to learn traditional archery, you can find it on their YouTube. Yeah, I think that you'll – I think there's a little somebody you may know from them, just not, not too far out from, from here that you might hear on here. So, Oh, um, uh, okay. Zernzak? Uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, see, right, what go, right. we'll see what goes on here. So, um, yeah – the, there's a big movement behind the traditional scene, and I don't know where where it come from, but the only thing I could think of is people are finding more hard shit to do. Right? We talked about this before, and yep. there's there's a grit and a, a a feeling of completion that comes with doing things that are harder than than they should be or normal. Yep, switching and, up that that challenge. Right, and I know guys that are going from recurves to longbows. Yep. And I can't even think of the other type of bow. I can't think of the name of it. Um, I wish I could. But, you know, it predates the longbow. So, I mean, I see where these guys are going with it, and it's awesome, man. I'm, all, I'm, I'm in for it. I think it's awesome. I think that being able to, to, to get as primitive as possible is, is, is great. We live in a state that promotes it with our flintlock season. Um. It's exciting, super exciting. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, it, you just got to dive into it once you do. Man, it's hard to look back. It's just a blast to shoot. And the people are awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, is there any events or anything like that coming up in your area that you want to promote? Uh, there's not a ton of. I mean, there's a handful of 3D shoots we have to drive to, but there's a big every year. There's a sawmill PA. They have a traditional archery shoot. It's called ETAR, and I mean, there's just thousands of people to go and it's it's a blast it lasts i think it starts on a thursday and it runs till sunday but there's vendors i mean there's like nine ten different courses and just anything traditional archery you can imagine it's a great time so many people there and lots of people to meet it's it's a blast that's awesome man that's that is really cool and i'm glad that you brought that up so anybody's listening if you heard that um i love anything that goes on here in this in this state that we have and i'm glad you brought it up but um in our great state, what are some things that you think that our state is doing really well? Um, that could be any type of conservation or whatever you want to talk about that's on your head. And then what's some things that maybe you would like to see change? Uh, one thing, I mean, obviously the antler restriction is a huge one, but I really like seeing them take that rifle away from fall turkey. I noticed the turkey numbers getting low in our area, and I think that that would definitely save some birds because I know a lot of people will just go out and find a flock and plank one with the rifle so i think that helped out uh as far as things that would change mm, trying to think of one you know that you can thank uh somebody for standing in front of everybody there for that antler restriction man and that was really hard for that guy to do i still don't know oh, yeah. how he did uh, i've heard the stories i've heard yeah just about the criticism he took and everything else yeah pretty wild man. but pretty wild yep there's a lot of people that are probably kicking themselves in the butt for the things that they said about that whole movement but that's probably the, that's got to be one of the best things that's happened around here and i know there's a lot of people who say that i know a couple people who say that's not what changed it blah 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 but that's that's, that's hands down i think one of the biggest things that's the numbers the numbers don't lie that's what changed no. it. Nope. <laughs> that's what changed it for sure yep um i'm trying to think of something well you know what man it's not a bad thing if you oh, can't think one of thing anything. one thing is the the turkey i won't mind seeing them go to one one spring gobbler tag 
Okay. All right. Do you, do you agree with when the season comes in? Uh, yeah, I have to just because I hear, I mean, the biologists usually know what they're talking about and mm-hmm. the whole thing, it has, it's, it's 50, 50. It's, it's double-sided sword when it comes to whether it starts earlier or not, because it, it has its pros and cons, but they say it saves a lot of turkeys. I, I really truly believe it does. I, I uh, it just does. in my and opinion. Just, and... just think about it. Like the youth weekend from the youth weekend to the first weekend of like the adult, a lot changes within that week. I feel like I mean, you go that's... at that youth weekend and it is wicked sometimes. And that's, I feel like it's always like that green up either happens like right then when the youth season comes in like that week, it's like yep. always that week. Like the green up is like, okay, it was like, you could see and now like, no, it's green. Yep. And, you know, that obviously makes it a little bit harder to, to see birds oh, yeah, and stuff. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I, I I think that you touched on two great things there, and those are uh, brought up plenty of times. Uh, I do want to pick your brain just because I'm curious. Like, what what do you think about Sunday hunting? Sunday hunting? I mean, I'm an advocate for it. I know and there's a lot of people that are against that too, but being that I work, uh-huh. work during the week, I mean, I don't get a whole ton of time during the week to get out in the evenings. I'd if i could have a saturday sunday i think that'd be awesome yeah would you uh if you were in charge in any way would you change the season in archery season whether it would be shorter or longer uh i mean i've always wanted to kill a velvet buck but i I don't think i'd shorten it just because i feel like a lot more more deer would die because then i don't know and velvet patterns seem to be somewhat easy sometimes but then again i hear them guys out like Kentucky and stuff talking about it, but those deer are also used to that. And they say how tough it is out there sometimes, yeah. but I don't know. I, I kind of like it the way it is maybe a week longer sometimes. Cause I know after that weekends, usually it's always freaking hot. <laughs> yeah. You hit it right on the head, man. I've always thought the same thing. Cause oh, man. one, one more week, I think it would make a world of difference. Yeah, it would, it would, but you know, a lot of rifle hunters aren't going to like hearing that either. No, nah, there'd be a lot but of dude, the thing is, like you're never gonna and you're never gonna um you know make everybody happy and you just got to make decisions that are that are are the right ones whether they're right or wrong you got to make them work so um fortunately we have a a lot of money that rolls through the system here for outdoor activities here in pennsylvania whether that be parks and recs whether that be um national land whether that be game lands um and we're blessed to have what we have here. I know in in my house, I can't go more than, I don't know, probably like eight miles without touching at least three or four different tracks of, of state game lands. Yep, and I'm in the same boat as you. There's so many public chunks that are just awesome hunting and well-managed and everything else. Yeah, and it's just gotten better, man. And, um, you know, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, the land guys, the guys that take care of all the land on – on the state game lands, man. The game lands, it's it's something how much different going from the game lands because there's a lot of game lands that border the national forest, but mm-hmm. like just seeing where the differences in the lines, like the cuts on the game lands, those freaking cuts are hot. Yeah. The <laughs> national forest, they don't do a ton of cutting really. Right. So there's well, a lot of deadfall and just stuff like that. So, I mean, there's different laws and regulations into all that yeah. stuff. And that's why, like, yeah, like if you shoot an eight-year-old deer up on Allegheny National Forest, like it's that deer. You got to think of the difference. Like the deer on the game lands, like the game lands has been made for a wildlife restoration area. It, yep, and then yeah, the national forest—they're not—they're not so much focusing on that. They're focusing on you know the woods and that the, the that conservation. Nature. 
that's the it. conservations. Yep. They're protecting it. Yep. So um, now don't get me wrong. I still think that they need to go in and take a look at like cutting fire lanes and stuff and fire breaks. Oh yeah. Um, because you yep. look at like what goes on out in California and all that stuff. Like I think it's something we should look into a little bit more, but um, yep. there's definitely, cause some of them, some of them tracks up there. I mean, there's not many roads that cut through some of the places there. And if they would break out in a fire, it could be, it'd be tough. Right. Right. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I'm not a forester or stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's, it's just off the top of my head, but, yep. um, what, uh, what do you think for this year, man? I want you to hit me with some goals here before we, before we get moving. I'm pumped, pumped for the season, man. I'm, I've been itching. I'm just, I just hope keep the streak going, get another recurve buck on the ground. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. I just, I always, my goal is always just punch that Pennsylvania tag and anything after that's a bonus. But yeah. even if I don't, it's just all about being out there and enjoying it. Have you thought about doing any traveling at all? Yeah, we, we travel usually once every year. We went to Ohio the first year, then we hunted New York, and then these past two years we went to Indiana. This will be my I'm going to Indiana again this year. It'll be my third year. Okay. Well we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get off. We we can't be yep, that works we can't me. be spilling any honey holes there. No, so. no, not at all. Not about Indiana. <laughs> so um man, anybody that wants to reach out to you, how can they how can they get a hold of you and uh, are you open to helping people out? Oh, absolutely. I love helping anybody who's ready to dabble in traditional archery. I mean, there's a lot of young folks getting into it, and I just enjoy talking and going to shoots with people and meeting new people. But you can message me on Instagram at Alex Lindemuth, and same thing as on Facebook. Just shoot me a message there, and I'll get back to you. Mr. Alex Lindemuth, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Um, conversation was as good as I thought it would be, and I'm excited to see how your season pans out, and I'll, maybe we'll check in with you here later this year or early next year yep thanks for having me man good luck to you and all the listeners out there hopefully everybody can have a su- successful season hell yeah man i hope everybody puts one on the ground so until until next time brother yep take it easy man you have reached the end of another episode of the keystone Chronicles podcast. And guys, as I do at the end of every episode, I just want to touch base with you and let you know that I appreciate the support so much. Alex, thank you so much for coming through. That was a great conversation. Uh, I do believe that most listeners will really enjoy the headspace that me and you are both in on this episode. And guys, the recommendations for what you want to hear next is super important. Uh, I'm trying to touch on as many things as I can in the outdoor space. And um, I am, uh, I'm not a one trick pony, but you know, I, I, I like to trout fish, deer hunt, do some small game hunting. And, uh, I, I have dipped my feet into some other things. And, uh, if you guys know some guys that you, you want to get on the show, you, you need to let me know. And, and I'll gladly reach out to them and try to get them to come through here. Uh, other than that, guys, I, I just want to give you an update. You know, we're going to be bearing down on deer season here and I have some special things lined up going right before deer season you guys are, are definitely going to hear some some voices that are are prominent here in pennsylvania coming up for that so super excited to let you in on that and there's also something huge coming that i won't even give a hint on thank you guys so much for listening don't forget to rate comment review that's huge for the show thank you guys see you soon